All right, um, so let's, uh, let's get started tonight. Um, welcome, it's good to see everyone after a two-week break for uh, Christmas and New Year's. Um, I was talking with Sister Jessica before class, kind of hard to believe it, two weeks ago today was Christmas, and here we are uh, eight days into uh, not only a new year, but a new decade. And um, I really believe that this year is a pivotal year. Um, I, I believe that Father's going to do some things um, in us, in, in His church, uh, this year um, that, uh, amen, I'm just, I'm really excited uh, about it, so praise God. Before we pray, um, I understand that we have uh, uh, a young lady named Jamie who's joining us from Illinois tonight, and um, I was asked to give her a shout out, so welcome, and not just Jamie, but everyone who's joining us uh, uh, online, Vimeo, Facebook, archives, uh, website, whatever. Uh, but anyway, let's, uh, let's pray and we'll uh, open the Word. Father, thank You for this time together this evening. Thank You for so many of my brothers and sisters, Lord, who are back after a, uh, a couple of weeks uh, off. I thank You, Lord, for their commitment and faithfulness, Lord. Not just to me or to these classes or to the other people in these classes with them, but ultimately, Father, their faithfulness to You and to Your destiny, Father, and to... Uh, their willingness to submit themselves and endure sound doctrine, Father, to be better equipped to do what you've put them on this earth to do and to live the life that you've called us all to live. Thank you, Father, for helping us bring our hearts to attention tonight. Lord, as always, we ask you for information. We ask you for revelation. But most importantly, sir, we ask for an impartation of your word and your Holy Spirit. Lord, that your word would be uh, engrafted into us, that it would become a part of us that it would alter our personalities, Father. And Lord, I thank you tonight that as we open our lives up to you, Father, that you don't give us rocks or serpents, but you give us the pure bread of life. And Lord, we thank you tonight that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. And we humble ourselves before you to receive from you. Father, I thank you that men and women will uh, leave this class tonight or leave the live stream broadcast of this uh, class tonight with answers that they've been looking for uh, searching for, Father. I thank you that you're going to answer questions for us tonight. That's going to help us. And we give you glory for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen <clears throat> and amen. Praise God. All right, let's, um, I'm going to ask you if you would please just let me uh, run through some verses real quick. If you're new to the class, um, these are ones that we covered in detail on last week. But I felt like we needed to do, since we've had a couple of weeks off, um, and we did start a new segment um, last class on uh, December 18th that it, it might call for a little bit of an extended review. And so I'm going to do that, but what will help us expedite that time is um, if I could just put the verses on the screen for you um, and, uh, and, and, and mention them uh, to you. All right, so um, let's begin all the way back with um, <clears throat> this uh, segment section of our, of our classes together. It's what I simply call three questions. What am I? Who am I? Why am I? Um, they're listed this way on the screen because um, they're, they're one resting on the other. Uh, why you are in fulfilling your purpose is certainly uh, key to living your best life. But you'll never know why you are until you know who you are. And you'll never know who you are until you know what you are. So we've been uh, focusing on this, uh, answering this question, what am I? And um, so far, in answering that question, we've said that man is a God-class being. Again, if you're new to the class or new to the live stream, all of these are archived where we 
uh, go in, into this in great detail. Um, uh, we've then said, and that's where we are now, that man is a spirit being. Man is a spirit being. Now, if we're going to say it in its entirety, uh, man is a spirit that possesses a soul housed in a physical body. So you are spirit, soul, and body, but the real you is your spirit. The real, the, so we'll get into this in great detail in the days ahead, but when you were born again, it was not your flesh that was born a second time. Nor was it your, the part of you the Bible calls your soul. That's the part of you that thinks and feels and chooses your mind, emotions, and will. That part of you was altered but not uh, uh, born a second time. The part of you that was born a second time is the real you. It's the part of you um, that uh, is spirit. Amen. And so it's very important for us to understand that, that we are spirit beings. Um, many folks view themselves as a fleshly being trying to uh, experience God or trying to have a spiritual experience. You are not a physical being trying to have a spiritual experience. You are a spirit being experiencing a physical world, a physical reality. Now because of this, and, and an understanding of these things will enable us to better live the way God created us to live. And that is to live from the inside out instead of the way so many people on planet earth are trying to live their lives. Uh, and that is they're trying to live from the outside in. You were not created to live uh, flesh first or outside in, but you were created to live spirit first, spirit led from the inside out. Okay. Now, there are many reasons why this is important and therefore Satan uh, is hoping that you never see or understand yourself as a spirit being. Because, again, the real you is a spirit being, and that means, again, back to your, you'll never know who you are to you know what you are. Um, because the real you is a spirit being, your true identity is not the reputation of your flesh or your outward man or outward appearance, but your true identity is who you are inwardly. Or as I like to say, your true identity is who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? So, um, let me, uh, praise God, one last bit of review and then I'll, I'll run through some verses that we've, again, already looked at once. Remember, Adam was not aware that he had a physical body until he sinned. And it was only after he sinned that he became aware of his flesh or, or his, his physical uh, dimension. Okay? As strange as that seems to us, um, remember, they look at us uh, and it seems strange to them, I'm talking about those in heaven tonight, um, that so many of us are unaware that we, that we have and are a spirit because we've become so um, uh, you know, flesh-focused, flesh-centered, flesh-aware, self-aware that um, we are not even, uh, most people are not even understand that they have a spirit, much less that's their true uh, person, that's their true identity, all right? Now, again, let me, if I could, just run through some of these verses. John chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus speaking, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, this verse states it very clearly. Um, there is a physical birth, but there is a spiritual birth. James chapter 2, verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, clearly, this verse um, is 
uh, in the midst of several other verses that are key uh, to understanding faith and the, and, the, and the main context and focus of these verses is to help us understand some things about faith. But he uses uh, the example that in the same way a body without the spirit is dead, uh, faith without works is also dead. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, when the, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. So we know that our outward man, our flesh, our physical body, uh, as is recorded in the, in the book of Genesis, uh, God formed it from the dust of the ground, uh, but then He breathed into that earthen vessel uh, the breath of life, he breathed the life that was in Himself into us. Amen? And so notice that the, you know, the body returns back to the dust, the earth from which it came, but the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Acts chapter 7, verse 59, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, and Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So his body, his physical body, is receiving stones, okay? <laughs> that are that are pommeling him uh, and 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 literally knocking the 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 physical life out of him, and uh, he recognized though that his spirit was leaving his body, and um, and was he was again speaking to the Lord Jesus, saying, "Receive my spirit." If you read that carefully in Acts, uh, uh, the Bible says that Jesus actually stood up um, <laughs> when this is happening. So um, you know. As a born-again believer, uh, we don't have to fear death. Um, you know, in those moments uh, when our time and, you know, is, is, is full and we've had full lives and we're ready, amen, uh, Father will, will meet us there, amen. And, and it, it, again, I'm not here to teach on all that tonight, but the Bible has much to say about it and that we should comfort one another with what the Bible teaches us about these things. Um, I know I'm all over the place, but back to Luke chapter 8, verse 55. Um, this is speaking of Jesus raising uh, Jairus' daughter from the dead. And it says, Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. So this little girl, if you're familiar with the story, uh, she, her dad came and, and got Jesus and begged him to come to their house to heal her. But before Jesus could get there, she died. And uh, Jesus put the, the mourners out and, and raised the little girl from the dead. And, but we see exactly what happened. In raising her from the dead, her spirit returned uh, back to the body that was, I don't probably laying on a bed or, or something, a mat of or, or some sort. Second um, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So when someone who has been born again um, passes from this life, um, the Bible again teaches that to be absent from the body um, is to be present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul, and we could go verse after verse after verse, some of these, when we teach on the new birth, um, we'll look at some of these other verses, but others that I don't have in my notes that come to mind uh, specifically, is the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. He referred to his physical body uh, as uh, in the third person. Um, he referred to it as an it. He said, I will not allow it. Matter of fact, let me stick this up here right quick. Um, I, I do this. this. This has evolved over the years. 
Um, I call this a stick men theology, but the stick men have grown up and, and uh, you know, gotten hairdos and smiles and what have you. But uh, I, I, years ago, I was trying to explain uh, to a young man sitting across the desk from me um, the difference between his spirit, his soul, and his body. And I could tell that it, it, it wasn't clicking, it wasn't registering with him. And so I just I grabbed a, a sheet of paper and real quick, like I drew three stick men um, on that piece of paper. And under one, I wrote spirit. Under the other one, I wrote soul. Under the other one, I wrote uh, body and spun it around on the desk and just kind of used that to help him visualize uh, the three different dimensions uh, that, that are uh, a human being. Uh, amen. And so uh, there's a, a much more detailed version of this um, that we will get to in the days ahead. But again, the real you is the, is, is the spirit. Um, then you have a soul. This is the part of you that, again, mind, emotions, and will are the part of you that thinks and feels and chooses. And then all of that is contained within a physical body. I use the example of a hand in a glove um, or a shirt on an arm. Um, when I go home this evening and, and take my arm out of this shirt, this shirt will no longer have life in it um, because what's making it move right now will not be in it any longer. So in the same way, your spirit and soul are plugged into your body like a hand in a glove. Amen? And to be absent from that glove as a born-again believer is to be present with the Lord. Um, Paul also referred to um, our physical body as a tent, uh, a temporary house, temporary dwelling place, but he also spoke of the glorified body that we will live in forever as our permanent home. Yes, brother. Are we in spirit, soul, and body the day we are born, or are we just in soul? No, it's a great question. And again, there's more answers on these things coming. Um, so um, there are two kinds of death. The Bible teaches two kinds of death. And, and death, you'll never understand death until you understand it as separation. Death means separation. So for someone to die physically, um, like this little girl that died physically, her spirit and soul separated from her physical body. So for her to be resurrected, her spirit soul came back into her body. And she again had life manifested in this physical realm once again. The other death, so there's physical death and there's spiritual death. Spiritual death is when... Uh, the human spirit is separated from God's spirit. And that's when someone uh, is, uh, is spiritually dead. Okay? But we have to remember now that dead doesn't mean non-existent. So the Bible talks about folks that have never been born again in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, but yet it speaks of their spirit. Okay? So a, a, a man or woman who has not yet been born again, they have a spirit, but through the new birth, they receive a new spirit, and then their new spirit uh, becomes one spirit with God. Okay, so I, I know I went through some of that kind of quickly. We will break it all down. I'll show you the scriptures um, on that, but it's, but it's a great question. So my grandson turns uh, one a day after tomorrow, but he was born spirit, soul, and body. And of course, uh, you know, even Jesus, the Bible talks about how he grew and waxed strong in all of these um, of these key areas. The 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 main thing, and there's a lot to this. And, and as we have explained in these classes uh, before, and I'll remind you again, that we understand truth line upon line. And, and everything that we're learning now 
uh, we're going to build on in the, in, in the days ahead. And so, it, you know, like, to fully embrace what it means to be born again, uh, you, you have to, not to be, now somebody can be born again and not even know spirit, soul, and body. So don't misunderstand. In other words, you, you can stand up and preach the gospel, people hear it, believe it, receive it, and get born again, okay? But I'm talking about to fully embrace what it means to be born again, you've got to begin by understanding the real you is not a physical body. The real you is a spirit. And, and, and because, you know, little to nothing changed here this, the moment you were born again. Everything changed here. And, and so, um, a phrase you'll hear me use often, I, I, I used it a lot on Sunday, first Sunday of the year. I do that a lot, first Sunday of the, of the year, is, you know, we're talking about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. Who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, that being reflected and, and, and um, uh, you know, shining through, if you will, into your life uh, reality, all right? But again, the real you is who God recreated you uh, to be in Christ Jesus, um, and that's why I think it was the first class, and, it, and it's one of those things that I say and try to keep saying and keep saying. Discipleship is about a lot of things. One of the ways I love to define discipleship is this. Discipleship is finding out who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. So you became something here that may not be evident in, in your physical flesh reality yet, but it doesn't change um, what's true about you. So, notice why then the devil never wants you to think of yourself as a spirit. He always wants you to think of yourself, form opinions about yourself based upon your flesh and, and what happens in your flesh and, and so forth and so on. All right? Is this making sense uh, to you so far? All right. So, um, amen. Let's, uh, let's do this. Let's go to um, Galatians. I'm trying to think how far we made it. Let's go to Galatians 5. Probably time for us to start looking at some of these. I don't believe we made it much past this. Um, I should have made a mark here. Uh, but um, Galatians 5 and 16. Um, re remember this, okay? And just some things that I jotted down here in my notes. Um, I've already mentioned that we were created by God to live from the inside out uh, and not from the outside in. Uh, that may be you know, initially confusing to you, um, and, and one of the ways that I try to ex explain that is, you know, who you are inwardly, you know, living according to, living from uh, who God made you, understanding, you know, your true identity, your true worth. Um, the Bible says that you've been given things in Christ that you don't even know are yours. Um, things that belong to you that you don't even know you've been given. Amen. Um, and, and when we talk about living from the outside in, most people on planet earth are trying to put themselves in a position so that what they want and need will come from outside of them to them or outside of them into them. This is why so many people live manipulative lives. Um, this is why so many people uh, will will walk all over other people to get what they want because they're trying to push them out of the way so they can get the raise, so they can get the promotion, so they can get the cushy job, so they can get the biggest piece of pizza or whatever it is, okay? 
And, and, and again, it's a mindset that says everything that I need is outside of me and I'm trying to get myself into a position in life so that what I need will come to me. And, and, and that's not how God created us to live. He created us to live through a spiritual union with Him, right? And through that union, everything we need that pertains to life and godliness is already ours, right? And then we allow that to flow from inside of us outward. Amen. Everything you need to live the rest of your life on planet Earth has already been given to you. It's already yours. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Every, every bite of food you will ever need is already yours. Every car you will ever need is already yours. Every tire and every change, you know, brake job that you need for, for those cars, already yours, already given to you. All things that pertain to life and godliness, is what the Bible says, has been given to you already. Amen. And so we've got to understand that these things, again, they flow from inside of us out as opposed to trying to manipulate circumstances, situations, and, 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 and most sadly, other people to try to get from them or through them what it is that we're looking for in life. The other thing as well is we've got to remember that our physical body created by God, this part of us that's our mind and our emotions, the way we think, the way we feel, um, our senses, these kinds of things, um, they were meant to serve us, but never to rule or dominate us. They were meant to serve you. Okay, Your physical body, your flesh was, was, was given to you by God. Even your, your ability to see, hear, smell, touch, taste, all of those things, God created all those to serve you. But see, what, what wound up happening is once mankind lost that connection with God, that spiritual union with God, we tried to compensate and make up for what we lost when we lost that connection by living according to our senses, living according to um, our flesh, uh, living according to our feelings. Amen. And this, is, this has led a lot of people to, to live a life dominated by their flesh, dominated by their feelings, dominated, dictated to by uh, their emotions and feelings. Um, there are a lot of folks, man, they, they, they wait to see how they feel before they decide to do anything. And, um, and again, it's not how God created us to live. These things make great servants. Your soul and your body make great servants, but they make terrible masters. Alright, Galatians chapter 5 and verse uh, 16, and we'll also look at verse 17. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Okay? Um, amen. There's, there's a good bit of teaching that I, I want to, to, to be able to give to you, uh, and then we'll circle back around uh, at, a, at a point in the future to these verses. I bring them to your attention tonight just for a couple of quick reasons. Number one, we again see the difference between the part of you that's flesh uh, and, and the part of you that's spirit. And we are specifically instructed to not only walk in the spirit, but notice here is one of the most important answers to overcoming the lust of the flesh. He says that if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I like to say it this way, you can't look to the left and to the right at the same time. So if you're focused on walking in the Spirit and going after the things of God's Spirit, 
that means you have effectively turned your back on the things of the flesh, right? And will not, by default, fulfill the lust of the flesh. Also, amen, uh, along with these verses, Romans 8 says that if you set your mind, amen, so let me go back right quick. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you'll go after the things of the flesh. But if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you will live according to, you will go after the things of the Spirit. So, you know, what we set our minds upon uh, not only matters, but has tremendous impact and influence on our life realities. Amen? All right. Am I going too fast for you? Okay. So, um, wow. Notice in verse 17, the flesh and the spirit lust against one another. Um, and uh, because they're contrary to one another. Contrary means going in opposite directions. Uh, you know, completely opposed to uh, one another. And many folks uh, get stuck because they don't understand this and how to manage this. Uh, and it, and it, it effectively puts them in a position, so what? They do not do the things that, that they wish. In other words, Paul so uh, eloquently by the Holy Spirit uh, stated this in Romans 7. Uh, the things that he knows that he should do, um, he doesn't do. And then before that, he said the thing that he not only doesn't want to do anymore that he hates, uh, he keeps doing it. Um, and again, answers to resolving uh, these things is, uh, begins with an understanding uh, that you are a spirit being. Amen. The real you is that born-again spirit inside of you. Alright, just um, a few more verses here and then uh, we're going to build on this a little bit. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. It's uh, probably a passage that, that you're familiar with. Um, I'll, you want to, amen. Let me, let's just, why don't you write that one down? It's on the screen. Jesus speaking to his disciples, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay? Now, this uh, was, Jesus spoke this to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed uh, by Judas Iscariot. Um, and Jesus knew that. You know, Jesus knew what was coming. Um, he, he knew uh, what was about to be not just unleashed upon Himself, but also upon those who followed Him. And notice Jesus is not asking them uh, to pray for Him. He's wanting them to watch and pray so that they'll be strong for the pressure that's about to be applied uh, to their lives. And each time Jesus would ask them to pray, they would say yes and agree, but then what would happen? They would go to sleep. And Jesus makes this statement, the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, they weren't lying. There was really something in them that wanted to stay up and pray with Jesus. There was something in them that recognized the importance, the value, the necessity, the need, if you will, of, of, of praying so that they would be strong uh, when the pressure that was ahead of them would be applied to them. But there was another part of them that kept overriding that, and that was their flesh. So there was a part of them that was willing to pray, but there was another part of them that was pulling them away from that. 
That's the contrary desires of the spirit and um, the flesh. Okay? All right, now, let's, um, praise God. I've, I've got more. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm overdoing this, but I don't think we can. I'm just trying to, to get you to see that we're not pulling a couple of verses, uh, you know, obscure verses out of context to make this case that the real you is a spirit. Amen. We see this over and over and over and over again. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 9. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Okay? So, God is our Father. Amen? If you've been born again, you you are born of His seed. You were created by Him, recreated in Christ Jesus, born of His seed. He's our Father. Amen? But notice here, the Bible uh, emphasizes, highlights, that He's the Father of spirits. And what's particularly important, I think, as well about this, this passage is that He's referring to fathers who disciplined us, punished us, corrected us uh, in physical ways, and we were in subjection to them to be trained up. Okay, But He's saying that our Heavenly Father is not the Father over our flesh per se, but the Father of spirits. Father of spirits. Amen. See, we, we love to... Um, oh, help me Jesus here. We, we, people love to talk about what they've been through in the flesh and, and how that somehow is teaching them spiritual lessons. And the only way you learn spiritual lessons is for the Father of spirits to teach them to you. Amen. Amen. Remember when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. In other words, the, the physical body is incapable of coming to that conclusion. Amen. It was something that came from within him, not from the outside of him into him, but it came from inside of Peter, out of Peter, when he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. So, there are a lot of... Uh, just their lies. I don't know what else to say it. Religious lies, religious traditional things that people believe that somehow we can suffer physically and become better spiritually. Man, if that was the case, some of us should be walking on water by now. <laughs> In other words, it sounds good, especially when, you know, like we all have made bad decisions and we start trying to you know, come up with some justification for those reasons, and now all of a sudden it's, you know, we come up with these crazy ideas that, you know, we're, we, you know all this suffering that we've been through and all these bad choices that we've made, that, that it was what we had to go through, and they made me the person I am today. How dare you insult God and the Holy Spirit like that? Your suffering didn't make you who you are today. Amen. He made you. Right? Who you are today. And who you are today is not the product of, of your suffering. It's the product of somebody's suffering, but not yours, right? He suffered so that we could become this new creation in Christ Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Okay. So again, Father is wanting to deal with you on a spiritual level. He, want, he wants to transform you inwardly. He wants to train you and teach you inwardly. 
Because what takes place inside of you will eventually reflect on the outside of you. Amen? Alright. Jesus had much to say about that, right? Remember those Pharisees were the epitome of, of what in their day was held as highly spiritual men. But Jesus said they were like uh, painted tombs that had a fresh coat of white paint on the outside, but inwardly they were full of dead men's bones. Right? Now the opposite though of that can be true as well. Outwardly someone can you know, still be growing, be ignorant, immature in the things of God, and outwardly not, not, you know, not necessarily look like or be displaying behavior of someone who is a righteous, blood-bought child of God. But again, outwardly we may not look you know, like the pure driven snow. But inwardly, no more dead men's bones, but the life of God, right? Amen. Alright, um, John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus again speaking. He says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Amen. So remember, the Word of God is spirit and life, and it's not the flesh. That's not where we make progress in the flesh. We make progress inwardly in the Spirit. Okay? Now, I, I do want you to turn to this passage. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 16. And um, if you don't have this one marked in your Bible and you do like to mark things in your Bible, I would encourage you uh, to mark this one. Um, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 16, really 16, 17, and 18. I don't know if I've got them all to put on the screen, but they, um, they certainly all flow together. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Amen. All right, we're going to kind of settle in here now. I was wanting to show you, I mean, it's a pretty strong sample, but it's, it's by no means an exhaustion of all the Bible says uh, pertaining to you and me being spirit beings. What is man? Man is a God-class being. Man, number two, is a spirit being is a spirit being. You are not a fleshly being trying to have a spiritual experience. You are a spirit being experiencing a physical reality. I was thinking about this today, and I won't, I won't go too far down this road, but if you remember when Jesus came back to this earth, He came back in a glorified body. Um, you know, naturally we might call it a prototype, um, but obviously it's, it's not experimental. <laughs> Amen. But, the physical body, when I say physical, the, the glorified body, it had, it had physical substance to it. In other words, they hugged Him, remember? They touched Him. He ate food uh, with them. And then He walked right through the wall and left them. And you're like, what in the world, right? Okay, that's a glorified body. And I got good news for you. You're going to get one of those one day if you're born again. Amen? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, he looked like he looked. I remember when Mary finally saw him, heard his voice, he even sounded like he sounded. Grief, yeah. And it was still probably a little bit dark outside, you know, dawn and all that stuff. But those scars are still there, brother. We'll see him one day. Amen. We'll see him one day. 
So, but now, this, this, you know, you think, oh, come on, that's like something out of some Hollywood movie. No, 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 it's, that, that's, but see, there are so many things, I, I was thinking about this, you know, like we can breathe air, but we can't breathe water, but fish can breathe water. They, they can actually breathe oxygen out of the water, and they're, they're created in such a way by God to be able to breathe that water. Um, you know, we, we can float in water, swim underwater, but also we have to come up to breathe unless we've got, you know, a breathing apparatus. Um, remember those images, those first, and I know some of you are too young to remember it firsthand, but those first images of men on the moon and the zero gravity and how, now all of a sudden see that there's different laws, you know, physical laws that apply to them there. Amen. And so, you know, we've become so familiar with the, 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 the physical laws that, that govern what we're capable of doing, how high we can jump, what, you know, what we can breathe, can't breathe, these kinds of things, that, you know, it, it could be easy for us to lose sight of, you know, that, you know, a God who created a fish to breathe water could just as easily create a glorified physical body or material body that could also breathe water. I'm just, maybe I, I've went, like I said, I can't believe I'm talking about these things, but these are just, you know, me and the Holy Spirit just letting my imagination uh, run wild. Amen. But don't, don't limit in your understanding and in your belief what Father God's able to do. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to being able to fly. Now, if that's childish to you, you just pray for me. Amen. But it seems like the Bible said something about you got to be like a child. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Jesus just flew. I mean, Jesus just standing there talking to him one minute, and then, right? Amen. All right, well, praise God. That's enough of all that. You found 2 Corinthians 4 already? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and um, I'm going to read three verses. I've only got verse 16 for the screen. I'm not sure how that happened, but that's all right. Um, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, I think the King James Version uses, instead of seen and not seen, it uses visible and invisible. So the idea, of course, is you've got things that you can see, but then there are things that are just as real, if not more real, that we can't see. How do we know those things exist? We know they exist because the Bible tells us they exist, and then we connect with those things by this uh, substance that we've been given by our Father called faith. Faith, okay? Now, let's start with um, verse 18 first, and then we'll move back up to, uh, and settle in for a moment at verse 16. He says that we live our lives here on the earth for God by focusing, and that's a word that I like to put in here. I know focus isn't, isn't here, but when he's talking about what you can see and what you can't see, while we do not look at the things which are seen, look, think, focus. We don't focus on what we can see, but we live our lives here by focusing on what we can't see with our physical eyes. 
Okay? And then he identifies the things that are visible as being temporary, temporal. But the things that are invisible are things that we can't see but know exist by faith. He says those are the things that are eternal. Now Hebrews builds on this. The book of Hebrews builds on this. Um, let's see, I think it's, don't turn there, I think it's chapter 12. Um, he says that, uh, no, chapter 11. Um, that the things that we can see were made from things that we cannot see. In other words, the visible realm, if you will, um, came forth from an invisible realm. Are you still with me now? Come on, we got faith, we can understand this, and the Holy Spirit can help us connect with this. All right? So you've got things that fall into the category of physical, visible, but then you've got things that fall into the category that are spiritual and therefore eternal. Okay? The real you is not physical visible. The real you is spiritual eternal. The spiritual eternal part of you has an earth suit that enables you to exist on planet earth that was made from the dust of the earth, but that part of you that I can see, that's, that's, not, um, uh, that's not eternal. At least not in the form that it's in right now. Okay? Oh. <sighs> So, again, there's lots here that we could build on. Um, but remember, if something is temporary, that means it's subject to change. But if something is eternal, that means it will never change. Something that is temporary cannot change something that's eternal, but something that is eternal can change something that is temporary. And so I, I like to teach this using the terminology fact and truth. Facts are things that are visible, things that we can see, but they're subject to change. It's a fact that it was a sunny day today. It's a fact that it's supposed to rain later in the week. Truth isn't like that. Truth never changes. If it's true today, it was, it'll be true yesterday, and it, it, it was true yesterday, and it'll be true tomorrow. And so our faith doesn't rest in facts. Our faith rests in the truth. The fact may be that your hip is hurting you tonight. The truth is, by His stripes you were healed. Amen. So when He says how we live our lives, we can't live our lives and, 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 and live the way God created us to live and lay hold of all that God has put in, in reach for us to lay hold of if we live our lives based upon what we see. Or I like to say it this way, aligning our thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel. Instead, we align our thoughts, words, and actions with what the Word of God says because the Word of God is truth. Amen. And the Word of God and the truth that's in that Word has the power, it's living and powerful, to change the temporary circumstances and situations in our lives. Amen. Now, this passage that's on the screen, verse 16, we're going to build a little bit now, okay? This, this passage is so rich with revelation and understanding for us. And notice here, first of all, he says we, we don't lose heart. In other words, we're not giving up. We're not going to quit. We're going to keep pushing, even in the face of, of, of you know, the, you know, conflict, 
things that are contrary to us, things that are you know, demonic spirits, what have you, that are trying to work against us. We're not losing heart. And then he, by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul, gives us this treasure. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Okay? Now, I want you to write this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this in your notes. Okay? Two, like the number two, or you can spell it out, T-W-O, but I don't mean like unto, but two. Two realities at the same time. Two realities at the same time. Okay? Alright? I'm going to say it again. Two realities taking place in the same person at the same time. Alright? Talking about the same person their outward man is in a state of decline. Age factors, wear and tear factors. Outward man is perishing. It's a tent. It was never meant to be eternal. But while the outward man, again, that's your flesh, your physical body, while the outward man is experiencing the reality of decline, the inward man is experiencing an opposite reality. The inward man is not in decline, but is in a state of constant renewing. Now why is this significant? It's significant because number one, as we've been emphasizing tonight, you are a spirit. That's the real you. So many people base their understanding of who they are on their flesh, on their outward man. I, I, I think it was Lauren Daigle in that song that she wrote, Am I Really the, the Sum of Every High and Every Low? Right? And that's, but that's what most people think about who they are, about their worth as, as, a, as a human being. And also, and this is you know, perhaps one of the biggest factors in this, they look to their past and the patterns and cycles that have been their past to predict or at least set the level of expectations that they have for the future. And what is so challenging for so many people to comprehend is that there can actually be two realities taking place in their life at the same time. See, most folks think, well, if the outward man's in decline, then the whole being is in decline. If the outward man is doing something that's not righteous, then the whole being must be unrighteous. See, that's not what the Bible teaches. Bible teaches that inwardly you've been made 
the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not based upon anything that you have done, will do, or, or, or you know, you know it, it's based on what Jesus has done. It's a gift that you've been given. It's something that you've been made. That's an inward reality. Right? It's, 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 it's not being perpetuated by your behavior. It's, it's being renewed and perpetuated by the power of God, His grace working in your life on a daily basis. So, two realities taking place in the same person at the same time. My, uh, my grandson loves ducks. I don't know where that is. Just ducks. I mean, he loves ducks. I mean, he loves them, Sister Betty. And, um, and, and uh, you know, he, he can say some different words now. Mama. He calls his daddy da. Right? And then duck. Duck. <laughs> duck. Right? He loves them, right? So we, we have this little saying in, in, in the world, it's not a Bible verse by any means, if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, must be a duck, see? And this is where, again, so many folks can't get beyond believing their outward appearance, behavior. In other words... <laughs> you realize that you can walk like a duck and not be a duck. You can quack like a duck and not be a duck. Two realities at the same time. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, please. Galatians chapter 4. Amen. Now, we went from it being kind of cool in here I'm good if you're good, but we might need to just turn the fan on. Can you do that for us, John Mark? Is that okay? All it does is it just stirs the air up in here. Are y'all okay? Are y'all everybody comfortable or getting a little warm? We're, we're kind of warming it up in here. So yeah, just hit the fan if you don't mind, uh, John Mark. All right, praise God. I feel like we're going a little, at, I know we've got a good pace going, but I, I, I feel like maybe we're going a little too fast here. And, and part of, I guess part of what's going on, and just again, full disclosure here, is I don't know, a couple of months ago, I taught on these things uh, in the morning class at the Foundry. And so part of what's going on in my head is, you just covered all this with most of the people in this room, alright. Well, amen, I'm, I'm just exposing that and just letting you know that it doesn't matter, we're going to cover it again, alright, okay? Alright, because um, we can never hear this. Uh, too many times. Yes, sir. Or if the butterfly remembers the days that it crawled around in its belly. Yeah, amen. But certainly our Creator Father is behind that for us to understand, you know, the metamorphosis of it. Amen. Years ago, I, I, I preached a sermon. I'm trying to remember. It was a, it was a goofy title, but it, basically 
a butterfly is is not just a grub with wings. You know, if you, in other words, you don't. It's not just that one day a butterfly grows some wings. It goes through a complete, an, an absolute uh, process and transformation. Um, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Again, y'all are y'all are uh, uh, teasing me here. Amen. But praise God. Real quick, real, real quick. All right, so there's two words that are used for change. You know, new year, new decade, everybody's interested in change. Big words, bigger, bigger than mayonnaise, okay? Um, the first one is a word from the Greek, transliteration is meta, M-E-T-A, schematizo, S-C-H-E-M, A-T-I-Z-O, I think, okay? Meta schematizo, for those of you who think schematics, scheme is the root word there in the transliteration, right? I don't know if I can spell, I may spell it different the next time. M-E-T-A-S-C-H-E-M-A-T-I-Z-O. So meta, S-C-H-E-M-A-T-I-Z-O. Okay? Meta schematizo. Right. Let me give you another one. You're going to recognize this one. Metamorpho-u. Okay. M-E-T-M-O-R-P-H-O. Then another O with a long, you know, like instead of, you know, you do a long O over a vowel. All right. Yes, sir. So I'm wrong. Amen. All right. Feel like my old spelling bee days. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. All right. More important than the words is what they mean. Okay. Metaschematizo is change that takes place through adding to, taking away from, or rearranging. Okay. Adding to, taking away from, or rearranging. That's metaschematizo. Right. And that is, I guess, in some cases, a needed method of change in the sense that there are some things that we could probably do more of, add to our lives. There are some things that we could probably do less of, get rid of our lives. And then there are probably some things that we could rearrange, like our priorities and that sort of thing. And we will experience some level of change by adding to, taking away from, or rearranging. But Jesus came not to just simply take away from, add to, or rearrange. He came to bring a total metamorphosis. To change us completely into something we were not before. Okay? You follow me? So there is, there is a change that is quantitative, big, big word, what that simply means is a, another one in succession. So sometime towards the end of 2019, the 2020 model automobiles came out. 
they're slightly different, but you know, Silverado is still a Silverado, a, a Forerunner is still a Forerunner, what have you. Okay, that's quantitative change. Qualitative change, again, is different in the sense that it's not just another one in order, but it's a complete changing of the quality of something. Again, Jesus came to change us qualitatively, to change us at the, at the very essence of who we are into something that we were not before. But that didn't happen at the physical, fleshly level. It happened at the inward, spiritual level of your being. That's where you became a qualitatively new individual. That's where the metamorphosis took place. If you had brown eyes before you were born again, you had brown eyes after you were born again. Okay? But in the same way, brown eyes are a part of my outward man determined by the seed from which I was born. My inward man has become righteous. Righteousness is to my inward man what brown eyes are to my outward man because I was born again a righteous man. Amen. So, when he says our outward man is perishing, inward man is being renewed by day, day by day, two realities taking place, same person at the same time. See, you, those of us in the room that have struggled with different life-controlling habits and patterns and what have you, you, you know, it's very hard for uh, a lot of religiously-minded people to think that someone can be both a born-again believer and struggle with things like addiction. It's like, hey, we're... If you're really saved, see again, first of all, that's the most blatantly judgmental statement you could, you know, I mean, here comes the judgment bomb, everybody duck, right? If you were really, right? Again, that's reeks of judgment. But again, the idea is, you know, we look at the outward behavior of a person, and it may not be reflecting that of, of what a Christian life should look like. Again, that's where we get this whole, if it quacks like a duck, it has to be a duck. No. Amen. That outward man's perishing with the inward man, right? This inward man. The real you, again, is a spirit being. So, Galatians chapter 4. Um, hallelujah. We're going to, let's back up into chapter 3, verse 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay? Now, Again, he's not talking about the flesh or the outward man. He's talking about the spirit, the inward man. And he's saying, for those of us who have been born again, all the different uh, avenues of identifying someone outwardly, right, no longer apply to who you became inwardly. Notice the categories here. Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. He's covering them all. He's covering socioeconomic. He's covering genetic and gender. He's, uh, he's covering uh, 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 condition of, of life. 
See, in their days, if you were a free-born Jewish male, right, then you were in a really good place in life. If you were a female Greek slave, there was livestock worth more to you, to, you know, than you to most people. Right? So, but notice, notice what Jesus is saying. When you became a born-again person, all the, all the identifying factors that are used to identify and categorize and even marginalize people, He says those things no longer exist. Race, gender, socioeconomic, status, all this stuff. He says none of that. You've put on Christ. You've become a new creation. Amen. New identity. Chapter 4, verse 1, there's no, there's no break here. He's talking about the same thing. Now I say, now meaning after I just said all of that, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. Alright? <laughs> now, we got some explaining to do here. Let's put spirit, soul, and body back up. Remember, these are not three different people. These are three different dimensions of the same person. So, we could even make a case, and we've been doing some study in the book of Galatians here of late at Heritage on Sunday morning and Sunday nights, but we could make a case that the entire book of Galatians is leading up to making the point that we just read in chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. In other words, that's, that's like the crescendo, it's like the culmination of this systematic case that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul has been laying out for us. Right? Now, the question that they had is more than likely similar to the questions that we have, and that would be something along these lines. If that's the case, why am I still struggling in these areas? If, that, if everything you're saying, Paul, is correct, then why am I still uh, uh, you know, experiencing lack in my life? If I've been blessed with Abraham, Abraham was so rich he didn't know how rich he was. Why can I, why can I not pay my bills? If, if, if I've been made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, then why am I still struggling with sin and this and that, right? In other words, those were the questions that, that the Holy Spirit anticipated these men and women asking, and so He endeavors to explain this and answer this for us beginning in what we now call chapter 4 and verse number 1. Now I say that the heir, remember the heir is the one who's been born again. The heir is the one who is heir of Abraham's promise. The heir is the one who is no longer a male or a female or a Jew or a Greek or a slave or, or a free man, but this is someone who has put on Christ, who is in Christ, who is now growing up into Christ in all things. Now I say that this one, this heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. Are you seeing this? Two realities taking place in the same person at the same time. He says this person is master of all. King James Version says Lord of all, lowercase l. But their life reality looks more like that of a slave instead of the true person they became the day they were born again in Christ Jesus. 
Let me, let me try to do it on the board if I could. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a slave, though he be Lord of all. Okay? Those of you who are, who are listening audio, not video, I've got a, a picture on the scr- screen, spirit, soul, and body. So, now I say that the heir, I'm pointing to the spirit man. As long as he's a child, I'm pointing to the soulish man. Differs nothing from a slave, I'm pointing to the flesh or body. Even though he be Lord of all, I'm back to the spirit man. Now, a key in understanding this verse begins with understanding what this word child means. This word child, by definition, is speaking of someone who is, in this order, ignorant. Ignorance, fighting words in the South, but ignorant just simply means you don't know. If you don't know, you don't know. God said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6 Isaiah 5.13, He said, my mighty men are, are, are famished, they're in captivity, they're in bondage, they're in addiction. Uh, and, and they have an appetite that can't be satisfied, again, a lack of knowledge. Okay? So ignorant means you don't know. Aren't you glad there's a cure for ignorance? It's called learning. Amen. So a child is something... Yes, ma'am, you do. Humility, right? Humble yourself. Be teachable. So a child is someone who is ignorant. Also, one who is immature. Immature means not fully developed. Again, there is an answer for immaturity. It's called growing up. Okay? A child is one who is ignorant, immature, and the third part of the definition is unable to speak on his own behalf. Ignorant, immature, unable to speak on his own behalf. Ignorant, immature, unable to speak on his own behalf. So I, I wish I could remember exactly how she worded it. My daughter put something on Facebook recently about growing up in a pastor's home and becoming, um, you know, fodder for sermon illustrations. And uh, amen. Some of my better ones come from my son and daughter. Amen. And with John Mark in the room, yet again, he's taken these classes before. Amen. Um, when he was very young, um, a waitress leaned down in a restaurant and said, what will you be having today, young man? And he buried his face in his mother's side. Right. That's an image of unable to speak on his own behalf. Okay. Now at lunch today, he had a super crunch roll ordered before you know, we even got our drinks, right? He... He's gotten over that. Amen. All right. So, but do you see now, right, there's something about when you, back to the testimony that Brother Dwayne gave before class, right? Needing somebody else to pray for him. Needing somebody else to this for him. Somebody, no, no, see again, um, we got to learn, we've got to mature so that we can speak on our own behalf. We, we, Everything Father God has for you to do in life um, involves speaking in some way. I mean, think about that, right? I mean, calling things that be not as though they were, praying, telling other people about Him, 
declaring things that be not, um, uh, um, declaring the end of, of a thing from the beginning. We've already covered a lot of that stuff. Covered you the shadow of his hand, put his words in your mouth, plant the heavens, lay the foundations, uh, say and design thou art my people. All right, so now that you have definition of a child, I'm going to do it again. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is ignorant, immature, and unable to speak on his own behalf, differs nothing from a slave, even though he's Lord of all. Far too many people who've been born again, alive today on planet earth, are living like slaves instead of the rulers. Romans 5 and I think it's 17, 21, somewhere right in there. The Bible says those who received an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will rule and reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. We were created to rule and reign in life. Jesus, when, when Adam fell and we all fell with him, Jesus came to restore us back to the place and even beyond that, that Adam fell from, so that we can now rule and reign on planet earth. Are you following me? This is important. And he has made you a ruler. Not to rule over people, to rule over devils and demons and circumstances and situations, to rule over the curse to rule over poverty, to rule over sickness, to rule over sin, to rule over death, to, to rule over depression, anxiety, stress. Rule over them, rise above them. Destroy the works of the devil. You're a royal priesthood, remember? A holy nation, a special people, a kingdom of priests unto our God. This is, this is who, every person in this room, born again believer, this is who we are, who God created us to be. But sadly, a lot of those men and women who have already been made Lord of all are living more like slaves than kings and priests. Amen. Because again, ignorant, immature, unable to speak on their own behalf. Amen. Now, because, remember these three dimensions of one person, because this person's life quacks like a slave, walks like a slave, looks like a slave, does that mean they're a slave? <laughs> Not at all. They're Lord of all. Two realities taking place in the same person at the same time. So again, let's go back to one of the ways I define discipleship. The inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. Where you walk in, experience, and enjoy everything that's true about you right now in Christ Jesus. Amen. So how do we get what's here shining through here? It's got to pass through. Can't live beyond your thinking. That's why renewing the mind, again, is such... A critical part of all this. All right, yes, sir. Yes. So, in the Old Testament, the, think the anointed one, um, so Christ is not his last name. It's a, it's a title. And if you remember, 
in the Old Testament, they would pour that physical anointing on the head of the priest. It would run down the priest. Okay? So the idea is we are members of the body of Christ, which means the same anointing that's on the head is also belongs to the body. Right? And so we've been born of His seed. Seed reproduces after its kind. So this is why it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see Him face to face, we'll be like Him because we're like Him now. We've been born of His seed. Again, right here. Just because, listen to me now, just because Pastor Mark may not always act like Jesus here, that doesn't mean I'm not just like Him here. So, I'm already like Him here. If you've been born again, you're already like Him here. The more we learn to think like Him here, the more we will live like Him here. Okay? But if you see, though, how all of this, when I say it's off the table, it's, it's off the table in the sense of somebody understanding it if we don't ever understand we're a spirit being. <laughs> if, if we think this is who we are. And this guy's just along for the ride, trying to have an experience every now and then. It, do, it, it just it doesn't work. All right, I got, I actually say one of my favorite ones uh, for last. Hebrews 10 and 14. Go ahead and turn there. I want you to turn there and see this one. Hebrews 10 and 14. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Do you get anything out of this? Now, this is, we, this is kind of heavy tonight. We, we, we're digging into some stuff here. And, and, it, and it creates a logjam for a lot of people because they look at their behavior uh, to try and understand um, what they are and who they are. And, and you, you can't look to your behavior, to your past, for those answers. You have to look to the Word of God. It may be a fact that you're still struggling in some areas of fleshly weakness tonight. Maybe a fact, but it's not the truth. It's not who you are. The truth is, you're just as right before God in the eyes of God as Jesus Himself. Amen. But if you keep looking at what you've done and how you've lived for evidence to support who you believe you are, you're going to keep repeating those same patterns over and over and over again. Let me go back here. Your behavior will always line up with what you believe to be true about yourself, even if what you believe to be true about yourself isn't the truth. You see that? I'm going to point to them again. Your behavior will line up with what you believe to be true about yourself, even if what you believe to be true about yourself isn't true. So many people look to their behavior to support what they believe to be true about themselves. And it creates a vicious cycle.
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, when we say, you know what, this behavior needs to change, but it's not who I am, and we begin to line our thoughts, words, and actions up with this reality, it, it becomes a numbers game at that point. I don't mean to simplify it that way, but one, two against one is going to win. One, two against one is going to win. That's why if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to go after the things of the flesh. Doesn't mean you're not a born again believer. It just means you're setting your mind on the things of the flesh. But if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you won't live according to the flesh anymore. You're going to live according to what's true. What's true in your born again spirit. The true you. The real you. Amen? Alright, Hebrews 10 and 14. For by one offering, this is speaking of Jesus offering Himself. For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. <laughs> Could we just stop for a minute and thank God for this one verse? Man, this verse right here. Man, the Lord taught me some stuff years ago and continues to do from this verse right here. Man, this just says it. I probably should have led with this one. But notice now, Jesus offered Himself as a sacrifice for our sins and He only had to do it once. He was one sacrifice for all sin for all time. And by that one offering, He perfected me forever. Perfected you forever. Saved me to the uttermost, the Bible says. Okay? Completely, thoroughly, eternally. For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are still a work in progress. That's what our being sanctified means, right? <laughs> how, how can that be? Let me, let me, let's do it this way. You ready? Let's go right here. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Amen? By one offering perfected forever, this is a, is a completed work. Perfected means completed. Forever. What if, I make a, what if I make a mistake tonight and commit a sin? Am I no longer perfected forever? No, I'm still being sanctified. Are you seeing this? Perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Sanctification, praise God, let me, at its most basic level, it means to be separated from unto. Okay? So many times we try to, to just separate ourselves from bad habits, sinful practices, so forth and so on here, without ever understanding that true sanctification takes place in the mind and emotions and will first. There's so much, and we again, we, we're just scratching the surface on this, right? Um, to be carnally minded. What does that mean? That's, that's, it means death, but to be carnally minded means to be a born-again person who thinks more like someone who's not been born again, more in alignment with the flesh than in the Spirit. 
To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded. Spiritually minded, someone who's been born again and thinks more in tune with and alignment with God's Word and their born again spirit than they do in their flesh. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. Yes. Well, <laughs> you wonder how many people, how many born again believers spend more time every day fixing their hair than they do in fellowship and communication with their heavenly father and setting their mind. Yeah, it's a great point. Again, setting the mind is, exact, is exactly what that means. Setting your mind. Which, what are you focused on? What are your, what are your, what are your thoughts uh, uh, consumed with? Praise God. Yes. Bodily exercise profits a little. Um, but godliness, I'm giving you New King James now, is profitable for all things. Okay. I mean, I take a bath at least once a week whether I need it or not. But No, I'm kidding. But I, I know it sounds, I'm not trying to act so super spiritual, but I pray in the Spirit in the shower. You see what I'm saying? I, I, you know, I sing in the shower. Uh, you can exercise. I, I get on the treadmill and watch Bill Winston, Keith Moore, Kenneth Copeland. I've got recorded on. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not, when he said bodily exercise profits little, he didn't say that we shouldn't do it. But no, I know, I know you didn't. But but he's he's talking about we have to exercise ourselves towards godliness. In other words, just like we would commit ourselves to an exercise, physical exercise regimen, we have to commit ourselves. Remember, godliness is speaking of all the things that you do now because you've been made righteous. Holiness is speaking of all the things you don't do anymore because you've been made righteous. Right. Holiness is a state of doing. Righteousness is a state of being. Holiness, um, again, there's different. I'm try, I like to try to simplify things and build on it from there. So I'm not trying to offend anybody because denominations are really, you know, strict about how they define these things. I'm just speaking again, you know, low shelf for anybody who wants to take this ball and run with it can take the ball and run with it. Holiness is all the things we don't drink anymore, all the movies we don't watch anymore, 
all the jokes we don't tell anymore, things that we separate ourselves from because we've been made righteous. They don't make you righteous. Only Jesus can make you righteous. It doesn't add to or take away from your righteousness. Only Jesus can make you righteous, and there's only one standard of righteousness that's acceptable before God, and that's the one that we received as a gift when we were born again. Godliness is the same way. It's just the opposite. It's all the things we do now. Read the Bible, go to church, spend time in worship, spend time in prayer, daily devotions, all these things that we... And again, he's saying we should exercise ourselves towards these things, right? And, and, and it, it, he said bodily exercise profits a little. Godliness, exercising yourself towards godliness is profitable in, in every area of your life. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, socially. No area of your life that more godliness will not make better. Yes, we have, brother. And again, it, I, it, I tell everybody when they, you first start these classes, you know, um, you, you have to work your way up. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a lot of folks when they hear it's almost two-hour class, they're like, <laughs> not me, man, you know what I'm saying? Um, but isn't it amazing now, like maybe when he first came in here, it was like seemed forever, now it's like it just zooms by, you know. Um, so, praise God. All right, some good comments. Yes, Michael. Yeah. Because in the same way your times were getting better on the bike, they'll get better the more you exercise. Your, yeah. <laughs> Amen. All right, a few more verses. Y'all got time for them? Anybody else have a comment or question? We've covered a lot of stuff tonight. Yes, Brother Orson. Thank you, brother. Hashtag resistance is real, and we did not wake up in a neutral world. And you're right. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, we have to be aware of, of those things for sure. Yes, sir, Brian. Amen. 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 Yes, Miss Gail. If he can forget them, then why can't we? Absolutely. Well, and, and it goes on to say that his blood actually purges the very consciousness of sin. Amen. So that we would not, amen. Be, see, there's different ways we'll, just, we'll define this moving forward. 
But so many folks are so sin conscious, we need to become righteousness conscious, aware, conscious of our righteousness. Now, this verse is from our uh, foundational text for these entire 36 classes out of 2 Corinthians 5, where he's talking about the ministry of reconciliation. And in this verse, he says, uh, from now on, therefore from now on, from this point forward, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him, thus no longer. And so for some of you this will be reviewed, for some of you it will be the first time you've heard me comment on these verses. But what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is pointing out here is, remember when we knew Jesus as the carpenter from Nazareth, and we had no idea who He truly was and what was really inside of Him. But now we know Him thus no longer as the carpenter from Nazareth, but we know Him now as the exalted, glorified, resurrected uh, Son of the Most High God. So he's saying in the same way that we looked at Jesus and initially didn't know all there was to Him, we can't make the mistake of judging other people, regarding other people according to their flesh. Because you're, the outward part of you, amen, is not telling the whole story of the inward part of you. Amen. Right? Now, when he says regard no one according to the flesh, certainly this would apply to our regarding other people, but it does come right back to our own life as well in the sense that we should not uh, regard ourselves according to the flesh um, either. Amen? Include yourself in this as well. Praise God. All right. Anybody else? Good? All right, let me... Um, praise God. Let, let me... I, I, I use this as an example, okay? The body that you have right now, the Bible says you have a treasure in an earthen vessel. And the physical body that you have right now is incapable of expressing... Um, that's why we've got to have a new body one day. Uh, that's comparable to the, to the born-again spirit that's inside of this one right now, the treasure that's inside of this one right now. Okay. Um, I, I, I use this, the Holy Spirit gave me this. Um, dear friend of mine, I preached his funeral last year. It's coming up on a year, I guess, now. Um, our brother Hiawatha uh, Sheffield uh, was counselor at the foundry, a huge part of this family of faith here for many, many years. Dear, dear brother. And he was immaculately dressed. Um, but people were drawn to him. They weren't, they weren't repelled by him. It was because of his true heart, you know. And, um, but what I shared at his funeral was that the way he carried himself with such dignity and, and, and at the same time humility, um, and as much as he reflected Jesus, um, it was like, his spirit was FM and his body was AM radio. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 you know, his spirit was hi-fi digital audio and his flesh you know, was one of those old single speaker transistor radios. It, it couldn't, you know, or, or you could think of it as um, his spirit man being 4K high definition video and his outward man being an old black and white uh, television. In other words, 
It's there's what's in you and who's in you right now. Amen. Um, you know, for it to shine through and it, and it and 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 your body, your flesh being able to tell the whole story again, it's impossible. That's the that's the grandeur. That's the the majesty. That's the eternity and the glory that's in you right now. So do you see why I'm saying we don't? We can't, we can't be judging people by the outward appearance. Um, but, but we can love and encourage one another and relate to one another based upon who we know one another to be according to the Word of God and actually help bring that inward reality out of one another, sharpening one another, encouraging one another, building one another up in the faith. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Alright, so that actually brings us and all I can do is just tease you with it, because we've got to pray and finish this. What is man? Number one, man is a God-class being. Number two, man is a spirit being. And of course, we'll begin here next week. Number three, man is the legal authority on earth. Man is the legal authority on earth. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. This time together this evening, thank you for the things that you're revealing to us. And Father, I again um, acknowledge the Holy Spirit as our teacher tonight. I thank you that he is helping each one of us, myself included, uh, process and embrace, receive, um, benefit from, understand the truth that has come forth uh, from Your Word and from Your Holy Spirit into our lives here tonight. Father, as Pam pointed out, help us to make that shift from, from focused upon and aware of our flesh to being focused upon and aware of Your Spirit and our born-again spirit, and living from and walking according to that reality, that inward reality. May it become an outward expression of life to the glory of Your name and to the building of Your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Yes, ma'am.